Digital. Student-centered. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello and welcome to Tales of Teaching Online. My name is Joan Sutherland, and I'm here today with Dr. Kerry Morgan, talking about culturally inclusive design in a mathematics unit. Hi, Kerry. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and the unit that you developed? Hi, Joan. Um, well, I'm a senior lecturer in the School of IT at Deakin University, and I'm currently unit chair in SIT 190, a mathematics mm -hmm. unit, and also academic director of student learning. Fabulous. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in computer science with a major in pure mathematics and a PhD in algebraic graph theory. And I began my degree when my daughter started school after not studying several years. So in many senses, I've walked the walk of my students. I juggled the family work and study to achieve my goal. And this is really, really what is the story of many, many students in SIT 190. Um, most of the students in this unit have not studied maths for a long time or they did not pass their year 12 maths, or maybe they did not study maths in year 12. Many of my students have experienced failure or expect to fail in maths. So many of them view maths as a roadblock to achieving their goals. And the main goal of my redevelopment was really to move maths from being a roadblock to being an enabler for them to achieve those goals. You talked about um, you've walked the walk of the students. How did that help you in the design of this unit? One thing that really helped me in terms of that in the design of this unit, which was suggested by the Cloud First pe people, was to tell the students about my own journey, right? So we pose the unit in the sense of a journey and we begin the unit in talking about what our goals and aims are. So I usually introduce myself. I explain that I didn't go directly to university from high school, um, that my path was not your traditional way. You know, I, I had already got a family. I was working. Um, all the things that they are experiencing, experiencing. The, um, the fears, the fears of failure. When you come to university, uh, either as a mature age student or juggling work, your family may be making sacrifices. There's a big fear of failure. When it comes to mathematics, there's also a huge fear of maths in general. So you've got a double compound. So to project that I understand, I think, is a really important way to start the story and our journey. We also have, in the very first week, the students actually um, identify their goals and they identify what we call dragons because our story in my unit is set in a quest theme. Now, you mentioned that students come from uh, many different pathways and different cultures and there's different design considerations. So what are the key, I suppose, cultural design considerations? You mentioned that you um, developed it in a quest format that you um, made sure to make sure it was culturally inclusive. 
So I think we're one of the first maths units to include the GLO8, Global Citizenship um, Learning Outcome, which we're very pleased with. And it just seemed to work really well. We wanted to be inclusive. We wanted the Quest theme. So visiting different countries or cultures felt very naturally. Um, so why did I do that? I wanted to appeal to a wide audience. So I wanted to appeal to people culturally through their culture, um, people that are interested in other things than maths, geography and history to appeal to them. I wanted to develop a sense of appreciation of one's own and other people's cultures. I felt that was really important and to understand that the, all, of, all of those cultures contributed to the development of knowledge in mathematics. So just to clarify, so they go around different continents around the world or different places and you have key mathematical themes in each of those places so, um, to ensure culturally inclusive design. Is so, that So at each stage, the students... The students work in bands, which are groups, yeah. but we call them bands, and they visit a number of places. They visit Egypt. They mm -hmm. visit um, Babylon, which doesn't really exist anymore, so ancient Babylon, um, China, um, Greece, India, and finally Arabia. They end up in the House of Wisdom in, in Arabia. And at each stage, we have a number of challenges they have to um, achieve in order to find a missing artefact. So, for example, the one I like the best is they've got to find dragon's bones from China. So you may not know what dragon's bones are. They sound really dramatic. They're actually the plastron of a turtle. So that's the flat side of the shell. And the Chinese right. use these for writing on and one of the things they wrote on was um, magic squares. And I think we've all had a go at a magic square, but a magic square is a matrix. So this falls really naturally into the week where we look at matrices. Right. So we, have, we visit China, we talk about matrices. What is a matrix? Oh, what's on the turtle shell is actually a matrix. Do you know that the Chinese use counting boards and the counting boards really, really help them to you learn, um, say, Gaussian elimination and things like that, that are the precursors to the matrices we use nowadays. So I think it's wow. really valuable for students to see that all these cultures were putting the pieces together and these pieces form ma the mathematics we have today. And as you said before, like you presented your story, you created that narrative and now you're creating the narrative through different cultures but through teaching mathematical key concepts. Yes. yes. So I suppose how, how doing that, how did that approach improve participation and assist, I suppose, or help people from different cultures? Um, so I think it improved participation in a few ways. One was that it was just more interesting. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not your traditional maths. It doesn't, we're talking about students that are, are pr primarily fearful of maths and suddenly they look at the workshop slides and they're no longer seeing a whole string of numbers and symbols. They're seeing words and pictures and places and history, often things that they prefer, okay? So I think 
that there's this sense of engagement, there's the sense of moving maths out of this silo into other things. So another thing is that sometimes students have, um, you know, they have things they find difficult in maths. So here's an Mm. example. They find irrational numbers difficult. They find them scary. So an irrational number is a number that's not a whole number and it can't be expressed as a fraction of whole numbers. You know, it's not a half, it's not a third. It's like the square root of two. Well, when we visit Greece, we talk about the fact that Pythagoreans actually are um, reputed, it's not known for certain, but it's actually said that the Pythagoreans drowned this guy for discovering for discovering numbers existed that weren't whole numbers and weren't fractions. And this is really good because you can talk about, um, oh, dear, why didn't they like them? There was this fear. Why were they necessary? They were necessary because when you cut your square in half on a diagonal, you can sometimes come up with an irrational number. So it's, it's a shared fear. Back to the Pythagoreans and another example, which is really inclusive on another um, plane, is the fact that the Pythagoreans allowed women to be part of their sect. So most of you, I think, would have remembered Pythagoras' theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C squared from triangles. (laughs) Well, the Pythagoreans were really good. They actually um, thought that women could think like men. Isn't that great? Yeah, isn't it amazing? How, how forward were they? Much better. So they actually, I think the way they put it, they thought that women had the same souls as men. Mm-hmm. So men, women should right. be able to be educated as the, the same level as men, which was is a great sort of thing to say as an aside about um, gender inclusivity, right? Mm. Um, I did actually note down a comment from one of my students' portfolios. Now, they said that as a Muslim, they were shocked to find out that the origin of algebra came from someone of their religion and they found it heartwarming and comforting. And I think when you see those sort of comments in the portfolio, you go, that is amazing. You know, that, that is what we really, really, really want to see. So that, that's really heartwarming to hear that um, experience of a student and I can imagine all the, the time and effort that was actually put into creating this journey for students that would have made it worthwhile in itself. So I suppose overall, how did it impact your teaching experience as well from anything benefits, any challenges that you highlighted along the way? A benefit that I didn't anticipate and I probably mm-hmm. should have anticipated was the natural way that including applications of mathematics fell into the story. So I think as teachers, we're always told, you know, remember to show the industry applications. Yes. I didn't, I didn't because I thought it was for wow. the thing. But what happens is you say, this week we're going to Egypt. Egypt had a great source of water. Where there's water, there are crops, there are animals. Where there are crops and animals, there is commerce and trade. People build buildings. They put in irrigation. Um, they, they have hobbies. They, they look at the night sky and think, how are the planets there? 
all these things involve mathematics. And instead of sort of artificially at the end tacking on, you know, here are some applications of this, it arose really organically. And my students started to go, because my students are not mathematicians as whole. They're engineers to be. They are teachers to be. They are health people to be. And they started to see their own field occurring in those societies. So that was a real benefit. It wasn't one I'd That would have been very rewarding, though, to see that. Yeah, Yeah. very nice. It was very nice. Um, So another small benefit, well, I'm going to call it a small thing, but I think it's a big benefit. One of my teaching teams went and told me about a story of his own background, like Persians, Persia's yeah. version of Pascal's Triangle. And I was just Googling it the other day and it occurred far before Pascal. So, again, you're getting engagement with people within the story. And from your teaching team as well. So not even learners, just learners. We're talking about the teaching team as well. So being culturally inclusive at that level as well, um, which would have been an unexpected benefit. Yes. What about challenges? Did you have any challenges along the way or? Um, Yes, I suppose. Oh, can I add one more benefit? Oh, yes, yes. So um, we did get permission to ask the students to let us look at their portfolios and... um, to look at their um, survey results. And of the people that agreed, we had 42% of the students who agreed mentioned that the cultural context was inspirational, informative or engaging. So that was really nice. And that's gonna give me a stepping stone to answer your next question, what were the challenges? There will always be students who want to do things the traditional style going, oh, I don't know why we're doing this. You know, I don't know why. Um, So we get a few of those. You know, we get a few of those. None in the ones that agreed to be surveyed. I don't, from memory. Yeah. We always get, you know, maybe two at going, two or three going, oh, I would rather do it the traditional way. Um, Particularly, so this is the other cohort that I haven't mentioned yet. In my unit, I get a cohort that, Um, have done maths methods, so shouldn't be in my unit, but they haven't done the the subject titled maths methods. They've done an equivalent in some other country. A challenge is that the redesign means they have to do more work for that HD, Mm -hmm. more work for them. So it depends. Maybe I'll let your audience think if that is good or bad, right? I think that it's certainly challenging and... What I need to portray to the students is they need to be able to do more than just do the math to become a mathematician. as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, different contexts. So it's great to see that you're applying it to different contexts and getting different people on board as well. And as you said, you're not going to hit the mark 100% of the time. But if you think about who you've included as part of that, that's amazing experience. Yeah. yeah, it was. It is, yeah. it is an amazing experience. And I think the other challenge was um, developing the unit, redeveloping the unit in lockdown. So yeah. literally sitting in home with surrounded in books, um, not being a history person, trying to pick up history that was, de- was being included in a sensitive way that we weren't including anything that would be insensitive. Factual, I imagine, yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. correct. 
Yeah. Um, and, of course, because I did it in lockdown, it's really had a very much cloud-first design, you know, yeah. not in class. So the next challenge will be to add more activities for the in-class experience too. Yeah. So you've mentioned benefits and challenges. I suppose what um, will you do and the teaching team do to iterate this in future? Um, so there's a couple of things. This is So one thing the maths team are doing is we're currently organising our very first maths yearbook. So wow. we've had a number of our maths units redeveloped and we've had some excellent student work. So we're in recognising excellence in some of our students. We have invited them to submit a, an article based on their work to the Unibook. And in case of SIT 190, we're getting articles on historical contributions. Um, particularly in my case, I've got a student doing an article on fractions and another mm -hmm. on quadratics. And another two that have been invited to participate but haven't quite given me their article yet. We're getting close to the deadline. So we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's really nice. So something we want to do is to be able to um, expand our students' horizons. So you remember we started looking at the students that were fearful and challenged in the maths area. Mm -hmm. always going to have the other students that are feeling um, confident and just confident. do more math. Mm -hmm. So we need to also sort of nurture those students and this is an ideal way. Plus, yeah. it's getting the cultural element out element. there. So there's a number of different things that you can do to iterate it in the future. I suppose if someone was looking to design a culturally inclusive unit, um, what's one key takeaway they can take away from your work that you've done if they were looking to do something similar in their unit? I think the first thing is to think about your cohort. Mm -hmm. Who are your cohort and why? What, what are you trying to achieve? I think that it's really important to have um, cultural inclusiveness interwoven within the unit, not sort of sitting as a layer sort of tackly. Just above. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The second thing I think is to... Just let your mind think of crazy ideas, okay? Yeah. Sort of the, I think when you think of ideas and you go, I'm going to give it a go, you get excited. And if you're excited, your students are excited. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the third thing I think is to run it past other people in your teaching team. Yeah. So that they can shoot down the crazy idea. <laughs> and, and Have this, that robust discussion. Yeah, and so I think that as as the maths team, we have like a roundtable discussion, and mm -hmm. we're really encouraged to think of different ways that we can engage students with maths. And mm -hmm. each of those ways is really specific to individual cohorts. You know, so we're going. This is the SIT one ninety cohort. This cohort, is yeah. like. the SIT one nine two or one seven six is going to be quite different. Different, and mm -hmm. you know, but. Use getting the feedback from your colleagues before you mm. have to go and put the time in. I think that's really doing cool. it. And of course, being the cultural inclusiveness, actually being really, really culturally sensitive and aware. Yep. Yeah. So 
I was just going to mention about the Indigenous example. So yes. you know, I'm really, I really would still like to do that. That's something that I would like to do. But to do that properly, it has mm. to be led by the Indigenous community. You really have yes. to do a lot of engagement or work beforehand. Well, thank you for that, Kerry. It sounds like a lot of work when you do it, but it wasn't a, a lot of work, but a lot of um, benefits that actually came from it. And it sounds like telling your story at the very beginning actually got that engagement and hearing how you went on the quest through different cultures and how you got buy-in from students and also from teaching teams is really actually quite inspirational. And so thank you for sharing um, your experience with us. And I hope other people can learn from what you've actually done and the time I know it takes to create these things does not go unnoticed. So thank you for that. Is there any other comments you'd like to share uh, as a closing statement or anything? I suppose the main thing I want to say is get excited about what you do and embrace change. It's really, really easy when to keep doing the same old thing. But I yeah. think the most important thing is to try something and be excited about, about it because our students get excited about it and they think that we think they matter. And I think that's really, really important. That's really powerful. And I can tell you get excited about it. I'm getting excited about it as a result. So thank you for your time today, Kerry. And thank you, Joan. Thank you.